Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mello. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora and I'm joined by my co-host Max Mallow and we have a fun review on a new Netflix movie for you guys today. Yes, we are reviewing Oxygen, the French film um, that was released on Netflix on May 12th. Natalie saw it pop up and was like, you want to watch this and review it? I was like, why not? Um, And after doing a little more research... uh, the director and producer of the film, Alexandra Aja, um, who is uh, a French film director, has worked on numerous horror movies in the past that we're both fans of, um, most notably probably um, in terms of like if you're being a real fan of the genre, uh, you would remember High Tension, the French mm-hmm. film, uh, extremely gory, super fun slasher film. He also did the Hills Have Eyes remake that came out in 2006, uh, P2, which we mentioned way oh, yes. back. Because it's technically a Christmas movie. Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. It's um, Wes Bentley and stuff. Is yeah. Oh, God, what a good movie. Um, if we do like a throwback review series, we should review that. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, also did things like Mirrors, which had uh, Kiefer Sutherland in it, everyone's uh, favorite savior of the universe, Jack Bauer. Um, Piranha mm. 3D, Horns. Uh, Crawl, which is his most recent film before Oxygen, which we had a fun time joking about when we were in the office before COVID. We were like, this movie looks so bad, but we have to see it. Did you ever watch it? No, I never did. Did you? Yes. Was it good? It was okay. So I watched it on like a super rainy day. So the vibes were good because the movie was also like super dark and about a storm. So that was fun, but overall, it kind of just like dragged. It was like the same thing over and over again, but it had some good moments. So I wouldn't like recommend it, but if you're looking for an okay-ish horror movie to watch, then sure, it was fun. Yeah, uh, that, that one stars uh, Kaya Scodelario, who mm-hmm. is going to be in the new Resident Evil movie. So mm. she's playing Claire Redfield, so we're really excited for that one. Well, at least I am. <laughs> Um, we yeah we she was also um in the skins. in skins yes and also um the zach efron uh ted bundy movie extremely wicked oh. vile. was she yes yeah, she she played uh bundy's wife not lily collins oh god oh gotcha yeah she was also in um the the maze runner i think that's what it's called oh i never read those books <laughs> With Dylan, whatever his name is, from Teen Wolf. Dylan O'Brien. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I never got into Maze Runner. I was more of a Hunger Games. I, uh, I didn't read the books, but I watched the movie, and it was okay. I also liked Hunger Games better. Yeah, Hunger Games all day. Um, but yeah, so we'll be reviewing that today. A fun sci-fi movie, if you're looking for something to watch. Something that's very highly rated on Rotten Tomatoes by mm-hmm. the audience. So 
yeah, we're excited to talk about that. Yeah, definitely. So before we get into it, we have a PSA from Manscaped this episode. The Manscaped Engineering, not Engineering, whatever that word was, Engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and in Canada. This new trimmer was released only moments ago, and we are one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with its exclusive offer for you. You can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For sure. I'm sure there are some Manscaped fans out there who, you know, like me, when a new iPhone comes out, I got to get the new iPhone. (laughs) For these people, it's like the new lawnmower is out. I got to get the new Mm -hmm. lawnmower. And now they can with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Yeah. Exciting. Very exciting. Uh, but so before we get into our review of Oxygen, of course, we have to do the weekly horror news roundup where Natalie scours the internet for everything you need to know when it comes to horror news and everything in between. So speaking of Ted Bundy in our intro, yeah. uh, the new Ted Bundy movie, American Boogeyman, uh, has its Ted Bundy. And it's none other than 2000's heartthrob, Chad Michael Murray. This is going to be interesting. I wonder if they were like, all right, well, Zach Efron was a heartthrob and he did it. So let's just get like another former-ish heartthrob. I guess people still like him. He's still around. Um, yeah, Chad Michael Murray. I don't know how I feel about this, but I'm very interested to see how he will portray the one and only Ted Bundy. All I'm going to say is that <laughs> if he can sing Britney Spears outside of... <laughs> Lindsay Lohan's house. He can do anything. Um, you know, he's no stranger to horror. Of course, he was in House of Wax, the remake. Yes. Which is... It's a, a good one. It's Come a, on. It's a movie. Um, he was in uh, The Haunting in Connecticut 2 or something like two. that. 2, yes. I never got into those films. The first one is... The first heard one's okay. good. Yeah. It's paranormal. Yeah. Uh, I can't. I can't do many of those movies. Those are the movies that like get me because it's just jump scares all over the place, and it's like yeah, it is. It's a uh, it's a uh, slow hanging fruit, in my opinion. Um, but he was also in Riverdale, of course. Everyone should know him from Freaky Friday, um, the greatest yes. movie ever made. Um, and this movie's got a good cast. We've talked about it before when it was announced uh, earlier on the podcast, like lots of episodes ago, forever ago, yeah. Um, but speaking of the cast, Lynn Shay. Uh, from Insidious and the new Grudge that came out a year and a half ago now, the one with John Cho. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone should know her, uh, most notably from Insidious, of course. Um, and also, another Teen Wolf reference coming back to the episode now, uh, Holland Roden, um, who was oh, in, yes. well, also in Teen Wolf um, alongside Dylan O'Brien. <laughs> uh, she's going to be in it as well. And uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, released through fathom and in select u.s theaters on september 20th which is my anniversary with my girlfriend and Aww, you if, guys are gonna go see it to- oh, totally yeah that's, that's our plan no if i'm if we're allowed to go back in the theaters that would be one hell of a movie to be like all right well i guess that was also one of the first movies we watched when we were dating was the zach efron oh really uh ted bundy movie yeah now you gotta do it i guess so um yeah who knows? T- Tobin Bell's also in it. Oh, yeah. Which is like, what is this movie? This is going to be a wild movie. Did you also see that the director 
Daniel Farrens. He was the director of Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Yeah, and that is my least favorite Halloween movie. So <laughs> It's shaping up to be an interesting project. To, to say the least. Look, I mean, okay, so we had Zac Efron. Now we got Chad Michael Murray. Now we got to go like 90s heartthrobs. Who are like the 90s heartthrobs for the next Ted Bundy movie? Mm-hmm. Freddie Prince Jr. There you go. I, thought, why, I feel like that would be like casting. Why hasn't that happened? Freddie Prince Jr. could totally play Ted Bundy. I don't know. But also something that I'm just realizing now, the, the director, he also made The Haunting of Sharon Tate which is like the Charles Manson movie starring Hilary Duff. Terrible. Like he's just like picking up on all of these like movies that have already been done. He also made the Amityville murders in 2018, not to be confused with the Amityville horror. <laughs> okay. Um, is, wait, <laughs> is that Hilary Duff or is that Lindsay Lohan? In the haunting of Sharon Tate. Yeah. It's Hilary Duff. I watched it. It was pretty bad. Oh, okay. Well, good to know. <laughs> Huh. I just needed to see like what how Hillary Duff would do it, and yeah, love, really love Hillary Duff. Um, so do I. So yeah, American Boogeyman, Chad Michael Murray. Go watch Freaky Friday, and then make your decision if you want to go see American Boogeyman. Um, it'll be interesting to see with movies that are coming out in late summer, early fall, with how vaccine rollout is kind of progressing uh, around the world if a lot of these movie companies are also going to be doing streaming platform releases because we know that HBO Max has a huge commitment for the rest of the year but mm-hmm. we we don't know with some of these other movies like I was disappointed that the the Demon Slayer movie that we talked about last week and we talked about it mm-hmm. after the podcast I was like I wish that came out on streaming platforms because it's still not 100% safe to go to a theater um, yeah definitely so it'll be interesting to see. But if it's on a streaming platform or if it's completely safe to go into theaters in, what is that, four months? <laughs> yeah. It's a movie that we can review in the future. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the last two pieces of news, we've got a couple trailers. Uh, the first off is one that I feel like the trailer for this, the first trailer for this movie came out while we were also back in the office. Uh, yes. Which is A24's The Green Knight starring Dev Patel. And we are both extremely excited for this movie. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we've been waiting for it for so long, just to, you know, another A24 hit in the making, it seems like. Um, I'm so excited for this. And what do you think of the trailer? Because I think I said this to you and our coworker, Gnome, that from the first teaser that was released (laughs) years ago at this point, not really, but seems like lifetimes ago, it seemed very, very like a horror movie. Like it seemed really creepy. The music and the tone and everything seemed like horror. And then with the trailer they just released, it seems more of like a fantasy action movie with maybe some horror. Yeah. I got the same vibe that you had. Um, you know, obviously it's based on a Arthurian legend of, of the green Knight, and uh, death Patel plays the lead. I, did get more Game of Thrones ish mm-hmm. from this trailer compared to what we both thought it was going to be. Um, it could still be that. It just might this yeah. trailer might just be marketed more toward a yeah a larger audience because we've mentioned it before on the podcast that a, anything that has the A twenty four logo in a trailer gets both of us excited and a lot of people our age in our demographic really excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so. 
perhaps it's just like people are like, yeah, I don't know if I'll pick up that one. Like mm-hmm. I would love to know how um, mid nineties was marketed because I love that movie and that's an A24 film, but it's mm-hmm. so drastically different from what I think a lot of people, especially in horror know of A24. And they're yeah. like, okay, it's Midsummer, it's Hereditary, it's Lighthouse, all these movies. But, you know, both of us who are huge A24 fans, mid nineties is amazing. Uh, the Disaster Artist is an A24 film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully it's just a uh, a marketing decision. Again, the cast list for this is amazing. Sean Harris playing King Arthur, Alicia Vikander um, is in it. Joel Edgerton is in it. Sarita Chowdhury. It's, I'm, we're both super excited for this film. We can't wait to see this. Yeah, I'm so excited. And even if it's not really horror, I mean, it looks so cool. The cinematography looks great. And it doesn't look like it has a rating yet. So if it's rated R, let's go. If it's not, I'll still watch it, but hopefully it's rated R. Oh, is it going to be a, a vibe killer for you if it's rated PG-13? <laughs> well, then it probably won't lead into the horror if it's PG-13. That's fair. Um, but yeah, check out the new trailer. Check out the other trailers as well um, Yeah, for our listeners and kind of compare and contrast because they're not like vastly different, but there's definitely different tones in both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last trailer, uh, which dropped the day before we filmed this um, is for a new purge movie called the forever purge. And I'll get this out of the way. Now the purge is an awesome concept for a horror film. Mm-hmm. It is handled terribly in terms of a media property. The first one, a interesting concept. Well done. I like the whole idea of the stranger and Ethan Hawke and his family and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And uh, Cersei and all that. <laughs> What's her name? Lena Headley. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't know what it is. Whenever I will never remember the actors' names. And I'll just call them their Game of Thrones characters' names. And then their <laughs> name will come to me. Um, but yeah, this one, it's like, this is the fifth movie. There was There was a TV show. The, yeah. last, the last one was a prequel, and this one's a direct sequel to the third movie, Election Year. Um, and these movies, you know, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, where horror movies that came out in the mid-2000s were very apparent to the times of the world, with, like, the war in the Middle East and, and Bush's presidency and all that type of stuff. And a lot mm-hmm. of the purge marketing is very much tailored to what Trump's presiden- presidency was like. Yeah. Um, and this one, it's just, I, I just don't care anymore about these movies, unfortunately. I just don't. Yeah, I agree. I completely forgot there was a TV show because, again, it's just like another thing that I wanted to watch it to check it out, and I didn't, and I didn't hear anything good about it. So, yeah, I don't know. The Forever Purge, I just watched the trailer before we recorded because I hadn't seen it, and nothing stood out to me. Like I'll probably watch it on TV just because it's a horror movie. So I'll watch it, but it doesn't look like there's really anything unique to it. It's the same formula, every movie basically with like a little bit of a twist, whether it's like the election or whatever it is. Um, so, I mean, I have no opinion on this. It's fine. Yeah. That's how I kind of feel. Um, (laughs) like I mentioned, it's a direct sequel to the third one because spoiler alert quickly. Um, they ended the purge in the third one. 
So mm-hmm. if they were going to do a fourth movie, they're like, well, crap, we ended it. We got to go back in time now and show the first <laughs> Purge. That's why I titled it that one. And that one has some like some good moments in it. Like there are some awesome okay. action scenes in it. Um, this is the only one that I haven't seen. So Purge and Purge Anarchy, Purge Election Year, seen all those, but I haven't seen the first Purge, I don't think. Yeah, the first Purge is, is interesting. Um, there's some really good moments in it. Some of the acting in it is pretty good as well. Um, mm. But it's just like, it's just it's such a cool idea that you could make an amazing series out of. And, yeah. you know, it's just kind of just thrown around the place now to, to so many different timelines and a TV show and a movie franchise. All right. Just let it end it. Yeah. Well, don't end it. Let it die for a couple of years and then bring it back and reboot it. And then we'll praise it because I'll oh, bring back the purge. Hopefully it's done in a cool way. Same way that we're talking about spiral because we're excited yeah. for spiral. Yeah. Or like, we'll be like grandparents and then there'll be a new purge movie and be like, I remember the first purge. I remember back in my day when the purge came out in theaters. Okay, Grandma, go to bed. Now movies are downloaded to your brains, you whippersnappers. (laughs) But um, yeah, if, again, this movie is produced by uh, Platinum Dunes and we've talked about how many bad Platinum Dunes movies there are. Just Sex Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning, all those terrible. Oh movies. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I don't even know what Platinum Doom is. Amityville Horror, the two thousand five one. The Ryan Reynolds one, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, check out the trailer for that too. It's interesting because now it's like the Purge doesn't exist anymore. Now they're kind of trying to do their own Purge. Um, Josh Lucas is in it. Uh, Ana de la Guerra plays the lead, Adela, um, and it seems like it's got like a. Uh, I think it takes place in like Texas or like south of the border or something like that. So. Yeah. We'll see. Of course, like, you know, everyone who worked on the movie, it sucks that it was ended. It was originally supposed to come out last year, but COVID delayed it. Um, as like it delayed everything it. else. Everything else. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, someone, someone had commented on the trailer in the YouTube comments and was like, saw and the purge are two awesome ideas that have just never been handled correctly. The first movies for both. True. After that, it's just like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? <laughs> I know. It's like, we have so much to work with. Let's just do everything and try to, I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, it is what it is. A shame. But anyway, yeah. Forever Purge, The Green Knight, two new trailers you should check out. And also let us know what you think about Chad Michael Murray playing Ted Bundy. Because Natalie loves serial killer movies. So I'm sure she's excited. I mean, yeah, I'll watch it. I'm curious about the casting. Wouldn't be my first pick. I would usually rather go for someone who's, you know, more unknown. But like we said, the Ted Bundy thing, it's been done 20 times in the past, like, three years or four years. Um, So this one might be a little late. Or it could be really good. Who knows? For sure. Um, So, yeah, let us know. uh, What do you think of everything in the Weekly Hornets Roundup? And now it's time to get into our review of Oxygen. Um, yes. The French film uh, on Netflix, sci-fi thriller, um, psychological horror elements a little bit to it, um, mm-hmm. but mostly a sci-fi thriller. Um, like I mentioned, it's a French film. Uh, it's meant to be watched in French. I watched it with English <laughs> dub over it for whatever reason. Um, I like Cause- 
Netflix always tries to give you that first, like that it's always dubs first on like a on a foreign language film. So I went in real quick and was like, nope, do French with English subtitles. I'm not doing the dub. I just hate the mouth being different. Yeah, I there were points where like it lined up and I was like, wait, <laughs> what language do I speak uh, right uh, now? I was like, hold on, wait, was that correct or not? I, I like, I don't know why I watched it in English because. Uh, I watched uh, the platform in Spanish when it came out yeah. on Netflix uh, a year I remember that one. ago or so, and I really liked the platform. Um, it didn't really affect my viewing of the movie. I didn't, you know, I don't think it would be any better. Like, I wouldn't be like this movie was way better in French. It was way yeah. better in English. I still liked the movie a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I would say though, after watching in English, if I'm going to recommend it to everyone else, go watch it in French. It's probably a more enjoyable experience the first time in French. Cool. All right. That's, that's your PSA for the episode. Yeah. Whoops. Uh-huh. I watched it in English. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So let's get into what the movie's about and our review about it. Um, but we're going to take our first quick break and then we'll be right back. All right, so I didn't really know much about the premise of this movie. I just kind of knew that I got, like, have you watched that movie Buried with Ryan Reynolds? That's the vibe that I got before watching it. Super, super buried <laughs> vibes. Um, that, the scene in Kill Bill, um, mm-hmm. volume two, where she's buried in the coffin. Quick PSA again, if you're claustrophobic, this movie might be a tough watch. Yes, agreed. The entire time I was thinking the same thing. Like, if I was in her position, I would be freaking out. But right now, I'm just glad I'm not completely claustrophobic. Same. Um, <laughs> but I definitely was like, yo, this is always tight. Yeah, I liked it a lot. There was a lot of good cinematography, too. Agreed. For a, a one location, essentially, uh, film, um, the cinematography is really tight. The spacing in the movie is tight. Um, yeah. <laughs> The the direction and the, the the script writing, everything felt really, really concise and to the point, which was great. There was no beating around the bush. There was no like, um, man, what are we really doing here? It was yeah. It was like okay, point A, character in a pod. How do we get here? Why are we here? How do we get out of here? And that's the entire movie. And not a single like ten minutes or so is wasted, which I really liked. I really liked the the writing and the directing. Yeah, I agree, especially because I think it was kind of a shorter movie. It looks like it has a runtime of 110 minutes, so that's about normal for a horror movie. But yeah, I agree. They wasted no time getting into it. So just to let everyone know, if you don't know what this movie's about, basically the intro tells you all you need to know. A woman wakes up in this like medical unit. Basically, she's like in a box. It seems like it could be a coffin, but there is like technology all around her, so it's not a coffin. Doesn't know who she is, doesn't know where she is, how she got there, nothing like that. And she, there's an AI voice talking to her who basically helps her get through the whole thing and kind of learns through him. Yeah. Um, the the lead is played by uh, Melanie Laurent, um, who plays the lead character Liz. People will know her probably from Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I immediately recognized her from. Um, mm-hmm. there's also, uh, a character Milo, who is a, uh, AI voice, um, who's played by Matthew Almaric. And I don't know who the English voice actor was dubbing it. 
Um, <laughs> but I do want to go back and watch it in French just to see what the AI sounded like because the AI um, was one of the best parts of the movie. Like, yeah, same way Hal is really important yes. in 2001. Um, that was the same vibe that I got. I was like, oh no, this is a Hal situation. It's not going to turn out good. For sure. Um, so that <laughs> set the tone really well. Um, and going into this movie with no expectations was nice because when you have expectations for a movie, it can really hinder your viewing experience. But Natalie was like, do you want to review this movie? I was like, I don't know what this is, but sure, I'll watch it. Uh, and after watching, I was like, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I didn't mind that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, agreed. Yeah. I didn't really have many expectations. So basically Liz, is, she doesn't know that her name is Liz, but we'll call her Liz because after the fact we know her name is Liz trying to figure out what is going on. I thought it was such a creepy scene, just the intro because she's covered in like this. I don't even know what material it is, but it's like around her head, her everything. And it's just her like popping out of it and getting out of it, which is just so creepy because it reminded me of like, cobwebs or like a really tight like cocoon or something yeah which really freaks me out so that that was like great great way to start the movie yeah it didn't like as we go through the synopsis of the movie obviously spoiler warning now um it yes. makes sense why she was in the cocoon we'll, we'll call it the cocoon um yeah. but i didn't like click anything to be like uh hmm Maybe that's important to know. I was just like, mm -hmm. that's gross. She's in this tight yeah. confined space. Um, so right off, it, it passes the vibe check. Right yeah. off the rip for <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So she's in this like medical cryo unit that they call the Omnicron. Um, and you hear the word Omnicron a lot throughout the movie. <laughs> um, especially in this one bit with Milo where he's just talking about um, damage to the Omnicron is punishable up to 10 years in prison. And I'm sure Liz in this situation does not give a shit about how much yeah. time she could be doing in prison because she's damaging this thing that is, um, to her knowledge, a a prison, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, like you said, that it doesn't waste any time. The paranoia and the just like panic, I think it does a really good job of setting in. So it's like, it doesn't start out on a huge panic, but it gradually builds up to that. So we get, you know, she's getting used to her surroundings and she figures out thanks to Milo, she can call people, she can call the police, even though the connection is not good. So this is why I was also getting buried vibes because I felt, I thought that she was going to stay on the phone with the cops like the entire time they were coming to find her. Um, but, and at first it seemed like it was going to be like that. They said they're going to help her. Basically she needs, uh, the code to unlock the unit so she can get out. I'm assuming she, she thinks that she's in a hospital. So she thought that she might be sick or that there was an accident, something like that. She was under the impression that someone was coming to get her. And I think she realized pretty quickly on that no one was going to come. So she had to figure out this shit by herself, which is in itself terrifying um so talking to the police they are working with her as it seems they said they're going to find the code and they tell her you know look for like a serial number or what the model is like who makes the unit that you're in she tells them and they find out that the model that she's in they don't sell anymore it's like something that's old so immediately I started thinking, like, is this time travel or something? Like, was she sent back in time or, like, forward? Or I don't even know. But that definitely uh, caught caught me. And I was interested from that point on even yeah. more so. 
For sure. The movie gives you a lot of things to kind of um, digest off the rip. The, mm-hmm. the one being this this point that you're talking about of like, okay, where is she exactly? Like, why is this model older? Like, how are the police like talking to her and be like, what? Like, what? What do you? What do you mean you're in this? Mo- this model like was sold like 25 years ago. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but like that setup is the mystery of like what she's in, um, and then the race against time is also set up with the fact that oxygen in this. Omnicron is starting to deplete, so she has to figure mm-hmm. out what's going on before she can't breathe anymore. Because when you can't breathe, you die. Um, yes, and oxygen is very important in this movie. Um, so, yeah, the the whole police thing uh, kind of plays out, and then after getting off the phone, uh, the relationship with Milo is kind of developed a bit more. Um, she doesn't fall in love with it or anything like that. <laughs> Milo is very much an important part of the movie. Um, and at points, I was just like, dude, shut up. Yeah. Um, especially with the whole – especially in English. I don't know what it was like in French. but It's probably sounded way prettier in French. It probably. It was just like, <laughs> damn, a short Omnicron is punishable up to 10 years in prison. And I'm like, bro, she gets it. Like, God. <laughs> <laughs> but again, he's a computer. Um, yeah. So movie plays out a bit more. She does some research um, as to – uh, who she is because she also seems to be doing dealing with some some memory loss some amnesia um mm-hmm. and she is this person named liz um who we've told you already that's her name <laughs> um she's a famous scientist who works in cryogenics um and she is married to this guy named leo who is played by malik zidi um who doesn't have many lines if at all in the film if i remember correctly um, yeah but he's very much shown in flashbacks throughout the the movie as being this important man in her life yeah, and I think because she doesn't know like much about herself, she's really latching on to the idea of like, oh, I'm in love. I have this support system, and he's going to care about where I am right now, so I need to contact him basically immediately. So I think that's really like her saving grace in the whole movie is like there's this person named Leo who is like my person, need to find him. It's like a very like instinctual like, okay, that's what I need to do. Here's my task now. Instead of, you know, her plan before, which was really nothing. So I thought that was, it was nice. And it was just interesting because she really doesn't remember, you know, what her life was like before she was in there. So, of course, that sparks a whole other set of questions of, like, why would she have, you know, this amnesia type memory loss um, to where she doesn't even, you know, know her name, you know. So I think throughout the movie, it does a good, a really good job at, making you wonder like are we ever going to get her backstory what exactly happened because of course you know with the short runtime shorter runtime there's not that much they can expand um on top of already the oxygen running out and her having to get out for sure and also i feel like the movie could have been bogged down a bunch by like doing elongated flashbacks of being like this is who liz is this is why Mm -hmm. she's in this like i'm glad they kept it very much focused on she's in this omnicron she needs to get out of it while also dealing with everything else around her of losing oxygen not knowing who she is seeking help from the police the paranoia milo all those things all together i really liked that um direction that they took with the movie um because Mm -hmm. um one aspect that comes into it that's also done in the the title card from the movie, which I really liked because I was like, is this the actual movie or is this like a 
production yeah. thing. But Same. There's a rat wandering through a maze, um, and the ma- you know the camera pulls out of the maze, and that's where you get O2, and uh, the name of the movie. That's the title card. Um, so you're starting to get this idea in the back of your head. It's like, oh, is she part of some crazy experiment right now? Is she locked in here against her will? Mm-hmm. Um, or like, did she put herself in this unknowingly? And she's forgotten about it or something like, or knowingly rather, and she's forgotten about it. Um, so the the plot is set up very quickly, but mm-hmm. done well, which is hard to do. Yeah, I agree. And then too, when she kind of did some of the research on herself, I think there was like a newspaper newspaper clipping or like a headline that said like, I forget how they worded it, but basically like her practices were like controversial or something like that. Yeah. So that also like sparked like a, uh-oh, she's like a mad scientist or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> like something is not right here. This is probably like, I was really under the impression that someone did this to her. Yeah, me too. Um, so movie plays out a bit more and more conversations with the police, um, more paranoia starting to build in her mind. She gets really scared that the police are talking to someone else um, mm-hmm. and they're kind of conspiring against her. They don't want to let her out of here. Maybe she's like a, again, like you said, a mad scientist who was, <laughs> who hid for her own safety from law enforcement in this Omnicron. Who, who knows mm-hmm. at this point um, in the movie for both of our first watchings. Um but she eventually's like the cops aren't going to help me. I got to do something else about this. Um, so she ends up calling uh, Leo or the phone number for Leo, her husband, um, only to be uh, answered by another woman. And the other woman's mm-hmm. like, "Don't call this house again." <laughs> it's like wrong number. Oh, okay, crap. Um, yeah. And that lifeline is immediately extinguished. Yeah, and I, immediately I was like, "Oh." the husband either died or he like moved on and this is his new wife or something like that. Like I was definitely like, this is like the other woman that she didn't know about um, who was saying like, don't call Leo because he doesn't want to talk to you. For sure. Um, and I'm like, well, at this point, this woman is screwed. She's got to figure out something. Yes. I was like there, I got like, um, uh, well, a- after this next reveal, this is where I got another vibe to a, a movie. Um, Kind of similar, uh, but eventually this woman does call back and she's like, hello, yes, I know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that whole thing about like, it's like, she calls her Liz and he's like, how'd you know that name? He goes, don't worry, I knew by the sound of your voice immediately who you were. Yeah. Um, which is like, okay, so Uh-oh. this person is someone from Liz's past, potentially. Um, and... The, the the first big reveal in the film is that this Omnicron is in space. Um, mm-hmm. And immediately I was like, I got some vibes to like, uh, to gravity. Yeah, me too. I um, thought that's what you were going to say. Yeah. Total um, lost in space out of no way of contacting earth. Got some like alien vibes um, from it mm-hmm. as well, which is like the, the whole idea of like in space, no one can hear you scream bit. Yeah. Um, there's no xenomorphs, but <laughs> there are rats. So there could be, yeah, there could be, who knows? Imagine at the end, this was just a big alien prequel. That'd be crazy. Oh my gosh. I would freaking cry. That'd be so funny yeah. and so cool. But also I don't even know. It would be hilarious. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that's the reason why no one can find her is that she is out in space. Um, and 
the reason why she's in this tube in space is because she was on a mission to inhabit another planet called Wolf 1061C. <laughs> well, I don't know what kind of nomenclature they used, but that's the name of the movie. Um, and the mission went wrong, and now she is stuck in space. So this immediately, I was like, okay, this is like Alien Prometheus. Mm-hmm. I almost said Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, <laughs> gravity. Gravity. Um, and <laughs> also, um, What's that movie with uh, Chris Pratt and J Law? Oh, I never watched uh, it, but I know what you're talking about. I saw uh, Passengers. Yes. Yeah, they, they. She wakes up in the middle of a a cryo sleep. That was like, okay, this makes total sense now. She lost in space. Her mission went wrong. Now she's screwed. She needs to get out of here. Um, mm-hmm. And at this point in the movie, I was like, awesome. There's been a reveal that furthers yeah. the plot that has me more invested in to figure out what's going on in the movie. Yeah, definitely. Because I would imagine it's extremely hard writing a, a script where there's only one location. Like it can get boring real fast. You need to really pick up the pace where you need to, slow things down where you need to. Like the pacing is really important, and I think they did such a great job of showing this huge reveal because it wasn't insane to think that she was in space. I think if, you know, we watched the first few couple of scenes and said like, what are your theories? One of us would be like, Oh, probably space or something. Um, so it wasn't anything, you know, like groundbreaking, but it shifted the entire tone of the movie and her entire trajectory with the little oxygen that she has at this point. Um, I think that she's just completely like, everything is flipped on her head at this point. Cause she really thought she was in a hospital. Yeah. And I like that. This is at the point of the movie that it's at, because if this if if like a reveal, like this came at the end of like, Oh yeah. yeah. You're, you're not on earth somewhere underground. You're, you're floating in space and no one's going to come save you. But like, well, that sucks. Yeah. It's like, well, that's depressing. Like that. Okay. Well now we know she's not really going to make it out of this. Um, or she'll have like a Sandra Bullock like escape and just land on earth. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the other big reveal that happens here is that uh, we find out that she's been in hypersleep for 12 years, um, mm-hmm. a long time. Um, yeah. And that Leah was her husband confirmed now, essentially, uh, and that he died because of a virus. Um, so, you know, she was like, I can't deal with the death of my husband. I'm going to go sleep in space for 12. No, that's not what happened. <laughs> um, but the the next uh, plot point of the movie, like the next like mission for her now or objective um, that's mm-hmm. relayed to her by this woman over the phone is to try and recall as many memories as possible so that she can figure out how to go back to sleep so that she doesn't run out of oxygen and die. But she has to do it before – it gets to like 2% because if yeah. 2% is not enough to resuscitate her once they would eventually find her in space after hypersleeping. Yeah. A lot of challenges, a lot, like very little time here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think this is a really good part of the movie too, because she does start getting the flashbacks of her and Leo together. Leo was very sick and they showed all of that. Some good, you know, it was flashbacks, but it, it wasn't really conversations between them. It was just like images and, and short scenes between them, which I thought was good. Um, it wasn't like you said, overkill with the flashbacks which sometimes is very annoying and confusing. Um, I think they did a really good job with that. So you're kind of getting more of her background and what happened. Um, 
and she she basically gets as much memory as she needs back and she then asks milo if he could show her all the other omicrons i'm like how do i even say that? omicrons that are floating in space because she is not the only one it was a mission and there are a bunch more so he basically like opened the lights on like everything going on in space and immediately there is this dead person floating right outside of the unit his face is kind of like it looks like it's shot off obviously it's not it looks like he just like went out and then died immediately um which was scary ish it was like a it was a jump moment and it was definitely very jarring um and then it kind of zooms out all the way in this really really nice scene that was the cinematography was great and you see that there's all of these units floating and they're part of what is like a huge spacecraft which is, is awesome yeah um this is where the alien vibe was kind of cemented for me because like okay mm -hmm. like Waylon yutani type of vibes of going out and colonizing other planets or just yeah checking out other parts of outer space and i was like oh crap how is that guy's face missing yeah um, there's a big hole missing from his yeah. face i was like is there going to be some like alien monster tie-in now um mm -hmm. but well not really it's okay i think it's okay to say now there's no alien monster that, right <laughs> that appears um but yeah a nice little jump scare to kind of alert your senses um <laughs> If you were perhaps <laughs> tuning out at some point during this film, but I again I didn't really tune out at any part of this movie um, because, like you mentioned, the pacing is really really good. Um, mm -hmm. But all the things they do around Liz in the Omnicron are really important because there's always the constant reminder of the oxygen levels consistently falling at yeah. different points. It's not just like. Um, a bunch of stuff happens and then Milo's like, by the way, you only got like half your oxygen left. It's like, she's doing yeah. things and Milo's constantly like, oxygen levels at 57%. She's like, okay, well, how do, oxygen levels at 56%. And you're just like, oh my God, okay, we get it. <laughs> so, um, the the tension is, is very well done. Um, mm -hmm. And I like the whole bit of her trying to learn on the fly of how to jolt her memories because... yeah. Uh, she goes through this whole process of talking with Milo about like what parts of the Omnicron are not um, life requ required. No, that's what I'm looking for. Um, um, uh, like which one, which units are like people are alive in there, that part or no? No, she was like, what part of, or the, cause like the power starts to die in the unit. And she's like, what parts of this can I get rid of? Oh and not yeah. Risk my life. Cause oh, yeah. like there's one part about like muscle atrophy and stuff like that. And it's like, mm -hmm. if you deactivate that, it'll, your life will be awful. If you go back to sleep and come back to life, cause your muscles could have yeah. intense atrophy, even like brain atrophy and stuff like that. Um, I can't think of the word non- Life-threatening. That's basically yeah. what she's... She's looking to turn <laughs> off those parts to save power yeah. and, and jolt the memories or trigger some pain in herself that'll just be like um, eye-opening for her in some sense or something. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's uh, it's a great part of the movie and it, it furthers the plot even more. And it's, not, and it's not the end of the movie when it comes to big reveals. No, yeah. So there's a final plot twist and then there's even not even a plot twist at the end, but just kind of an interesting ending. Um, but let's take our final break and then we'll get into the big plot twist. Okay. 
So next up, so she sees where all the units are going, and then she's like, okay, wait, Leo must be in one of them. So she asks Milo to show her, show her where Leo is. He's inside a unit in hypersleep. He seems to be completely unharmed. They, like, unzip the cocoon type of thing. Um, and he, lo- he looks fine. He's alive. He's in hypersleep. He's good. Um, so there's a feeling of, like, hope there. And then she realizes because she's been, you know, looking at pictures of Milo and – or, sorry, not Milo, of um, Leo – and trying to remember her husband so much that he doesn't have a really big scar on his forehead that he should. So she starts putting the pieces together. I wouldn't have realized this. Like, there's absolutely no way. I would have just thought, like, oh, they cured him or something like that. <laughs> like, he was sick. He had a scar. They cured him. Nope. The plot twist is Liz and Milo are actually clones of the real Liz and Milo. And, and wait, why do I keep saying Milo? Liz and Leo. Leo. Yeah, Milo's the robot. <laughs> I know. I'm like double L, Liz and Leo. Liz and Leo are actually clones. And the woman that Liz had been talking to on the phone was an older version of herself trying to tell her what to do. Boom. I didn't see that coming at all. Did you? No, yeah. not at all. I great plot twist. Um, yeah, the fact that you do a plot twist early on in the movie to then do a bigger plot twist, yeah, um, is the best. Is great. I didn't feel like, it might piss off some people to be like really like uh, subverting expectations and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I, I thought this was done really well. Um, I thought the reveal was great. Uh, the sense of panic that she has uh, when she realizes she's a clone because the camera pans down across all these different Omnicrons. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just a bunch of different versions of Liz, um, which I guess maybe could be like construed as like just her and the camera going, but it is different cl- mm-hmm. versions of her, right? It is different clones. I- yeah, I'm not sure, to be honest, because they never really showed, like, if there are other people on the mission with them type of thing. Huh. So that's a good question. Yeah, because I, really th- I originally thought it was just different clones going through the same process that she was going through. Yeah. Um, and I can tie this now into another horror movie reference, um, because one of the Resident Evil movies, the third one, does a whole cloning sp- plot when it comes to creating clones of Alice, the main character, Mila Jovovich. Um, Mm -hmm. And the whole part of it is like, they're trying to create a clone of her, but all the clones keep failing, but clones are getting farther and farther into figuring out like how to be the perfect clone, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, So I got vibes of like, Oh snap. Like is Liz, is this clone just a failure in the line of another clone? Who's going to try to get even farther to figuring out the mission. Um, I guess that's not the case. That's not the case really in the movie. Yeah. We don't find out if that is the case. So maybe. Yeah. It could be cool. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, that's the, um, the big twist. There's like 20 minutes or so left in the movie at this point. Um, crazy, crazy plot twist. Um, Mm -hmm. makes sense now that the lady was like, don't worry. I know who you are. I know your voice who you are. You're me. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Um, (laughs) And from here on out, it becomes kind of a race against time because yeah. uh, Milo's like, well, you're too late. Oxygen's gone. 
time to die. Um, and he tries to administer a lethal injection uh, to clone Liz, clone number whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And she's fighting it off. There's some like unplugging of needles and wires and tubes and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, oh, the one in her stomach. That uh, was so gross. Yeah. The one on her toe too. Was the, the, or foot, <laughs> whatever it was. I hate IVs, hate needles, all that stuff. So same. Got, I just kept closing my eyes at some of those parts. So yeah, got, got a little uh, out of me. Um, <laughs> so uh, she fights it off, but then the idea is to go back to hypersleep, um, like was originally relayed to her in the movie by herself, her past self. Um, and the way to do that, she figures it out, is to take the oxygen from the other damaged Omnicron units. Mm-hmm. Um, smart answer. Uh, and then I try to get to whatever it can, uh, the unit can get to for safety. Um resourceful at this point. I feel like it's mm-hmm. it's not something she was just like, oh crap, I could have done this all along. Like it's, yeah. it, it feels like a, a worthy um realization and solution at the end of the movie. Um and then we get our final scene essentially our conclusion to the film. Yeah. So I really liked the ending. I thought it definitely left you with some questions, especially now that I'm thinking like what if there are just a bunch of her or Leo as well. So the final scene, it shows Leo, he's standing on the beach wearing a white jumpsuit. So you're kind of under the impression, okay, this is like a clone. He's wearing clone clothing or he's part of a jail. No, I'm just kidding. I don't even know what else it could be. Um, And it seems like he's on the planet Wolf 1061C because just the way that the sky is, there's another planet super close to them. doesn't look like Earth. And then Liz comes up and they share an embrace all is good, all is happy, and that's the end. Yeah, so I guess it's it's, it's an ending that's open to interpretation at this point. Um, yeah. Are they both successfully cloned and made it to this planet that they're trying to colonize? Is this a flashback, perhaps? I think the chances of that are very, very low. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be kind of a weird ending. To the yeah, just I wouldn't of, like that one. If that was like the original them just standing on the beach looking in space and be like, oh, our clones are out there dying. <laughs> <laughs> what a sad, sad world. Um, but I would kind of play into the mad scientist aspect, perhaps. Yeah. That we um, we kind of alluded to earlier in, the, in our review. But yeah, I think the most logical conclusion is that they made it to some version of the clone made it to this planet that they're now going to try to colonize. Um mm-hmm. And what's sad about it is that if this is the ending, like we don't know which clone of Liz that could be. Yeah. If there was multiple clones, it could just be one clone of Liz. Um, and if it's a different version of, if it's a different clone, doesn't have all the memories and all the trauma that went through what we just watched in the movie, which is also sad. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of unanswered questions in the end, which I think really makes it more interesting. And I usually love like a, 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 a like an open ended um, conclusion, something kind of you know vague. I like to come up with my own interpretation or theory. So love the ending. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I like the uh, the decision to leave it up to interpretation um, because the whole movie is kind of open to interpretation in terms of yeah why she's there, who she is, why the clones are there. Um, and you don't really need all of those answers. Uh, it's just, 
at least for the first hour and 20 minutes, it's like, it doesn't matter if, she, if she's a clone or why she's cloned or why she's in space. It's just like, okay, she's here. She has to figure out what the situation because you're attached to this character. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that she ends up being a clone opens things up way more. And the whole reason of why she got cloned and all those types of things um, aren't really important because at the end of the day, you're not attached to the actual Liz. The mission. Yeah. The the mission or the actual Liz. You're attached to this clone who just went through this whole long process with her Mm -hmm. struggling for life and not understanding why she's there. Um, But that reveal makes things make a lot more sense because, okay, now I understand why she was in a cocoon. Yeah. She was a caterpillar. Now she's a beautiful butterfly. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that's a really good point of like, you're really not attached to the, to the real Liz. So if you're thinking about it, like the real Liz is calling the clone talking to her. So the real Liz is fine. The movie technically should have, you know, a happy ending either way because the real life Liz is fine, but we don't, give a fuck about the real is we're with the clown the clone the whole time so i thought that was just really well done um to like you said we don't have the specifics of her background or why she even really what went wrong or why she's in the mission but what we do have is enough yeah this would work great in the alien franchise i do (laughs) like there's so much of alien that is like Okay, time to go to cryo sleep. Time to sleep forever. Long time. Let's mm-hmm. wake up halfway across the universe or wherever the hell we're going, some other solar system, and let's call it. Oh crap! There's aliens. Um, I, there, you know, there's so much that goes on in between that. Um, I got some vibes as well from the entire movie after watching it that it was kind of like, what was that other Netflix movie? That sci-fi movie that came out uh, recently? Yeah, uh, with the robot. Oh, oh, maybe I don't know. Uh, no, you do know. I think we both watched it. Um, recently or an older one? Like in the past year and a half. Um, mother, I am mother. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Mother, um, with um, what is her name? Uh, Hillary Swank. Yes. Um. Yeah, I think it's I am mother. Wasn't that also like a clone character, like something? I don't remember. I didn't really like that one. I didn't like it either. This movie's way better than that <laughs> one. Um, like, I think it was a clone or someone who was in hypersleep and the robot was like, the world outside is over. Like, yes. You can't go outside anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, which is an interesting take because obviously the whole point of this movie is to get outside. But then we yeah. realize you're not, you're not able to go outside because you die immediately from not being able to operate in space. Um, it's a cool twist. And I like this. I like that movie like this movie way more than that movie that wasn't the oh, point yeah. though i just got like similar <laughs> vibes from it um so kind of leads to, like my overall summary of like this movie just has things that i think a lot of people would like about it it's a lot of fans of different genres would find something mm-hmm. to enjoy in this movie yeah i agree i think it, it was done really well and it subverted your expectations had good plot twists wasn't anything you know over the top um and had a really good lead so this movie has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Do you agree with that? Would you? What would you give it out of 10? Um, out of 10. That's tough. That's the audience score, right? No, it's a critic score. Oh, is it really? Yeah, the audience score is a 78. Did I say? I might have said it the other way around at the beginning of the episode. Well, anyway, now 
now you've corrected me. I appreciate it. Um, I'm on the page right now. <laughs> yeah, I just opened it up too. Um, I think like a seven point five is fair. Yeah, I was thinking a seven. I was like, an eight seems a little bit too too high praise. I think a seven or yeah, a seven point five is definitely is fair. Yeah, I, one of the better movies that uh, Alexander Aja has done. Yeah, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, there are some like Piranha 3D is garbage. That's a stupid movie. I mm-hmm. can't stand that movie. Um, and the Hills Have Eyes remake is. I'm not a major fan of that either. It's one of the. I, be- it's one of the better ones, but yeah, I like that one, but only because I watched it so much growing up. Yeah, it was a classic TBS TNT movie. That yes, was always on. Yeah. Um. I would always scroll right past it. The channel guy would be like, Hills of Eyes. Nope. Um, <laughs> too scared at that age. Uh, but like, if you really like this movie and you haven't seen any other films that he's done, go watch High Tension. High Tension is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, watch the Hills of Eyes remake. I'm sure people have seen that movie. That's probably one yeah. they've probably definitely seen. They just didn't put the name in the movie together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to watch Crawl. We should probably review Crawl. That would be fun. <laughs> It wasn't bad. Like it was fun to watch, but it wasn't like a great movie. Fair enough. Um so seven, seven point five? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fair grade. Um I Yeah, I enjoyed this movie a lot. Same. I was pleasantly surprised. Agreed. For a movie that you were just like, Do you want to review this? And I was like, Is there anything else we could do? And you're like, oh, let's just review this. This is easy. And I'm like, Okay, I was like, if you're gonna make me watch this movie, fine. Um, and I'm glad you did. Yeah, in all fairness, I the only expectations I had was that I like was reading some buzz about it. Like I saw a few headlines that people were saying that it was worth watching or whatever. So it wasn't a complete just random. <laughs> let's do this. Um, I had reason to believe it might be good, but I was still surprised. Yeah, same. Considering that we've crapped on Netflix a bunch for the past year and a half for just not having uh, high quality releases that were uh, in the genre, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, for the genre for sure. The uh, the the hype that the platform got last year was like astronomical compared to what I actually thought of the movie. Yeah. Um, I, liked, I didn't like that one that much. I liked it. I just didn't think it was like people. This movie is amazing. It's so eye-opening. It has so many <laughs> thought-provoking ideas. And I'm like. Like Bird Box. Yeah, oh, my God. It's like, no, go watch A Quiet Place. Don't watch Bird Box. Watch A Quiet Place. It's just it was done correctly the first time. <laughs> um, the whole sens- sensory horror genre. Not necessary. Yeah. Uh, too overdone. Too overdone. We already got A Quiet Place. John Krasinski. That's all of our dads. He can do it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, go check it out. Go watch the platform as well. Um, that's another one on there. It's one of the better ones that's come out on Netflix. Watch I am mother as well. And let us know what you think of that. You don't have to watch that one, but <laughs> it's in the same genre of sci-fi <laughs> mystery thriller. Um, this isn't really like horror. It's, it's more thriller sci-fi, which, mm-hmm. uh, I think people should know going into it. They're expecting like aliens or monsters or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. And if you want to watch it with someone that isn't a big horror fan and gets scared easily, they could probably watch this. 
definitely. Um, and yeah, warning for anybody who is claustrophobic because maybe uh, don't watch it. Yeah, I was. I'm not claustrophobic, but I said to you, I was like, if I was, I was. Like, this movie is super. Like, you feel the tightness of the space of the Omnicron. I was like, I'm getting a little skeeved out watching it because mm-hmm. I've been trapped in an elevator before, and those two things aren't related at all. But yeah, it's I hate, dude. <laughs> my Devante is probably not listening to this. Devante, one of my college roommates, love the mm-hmm. guy. If we were in an elevator going to the basement of our tower to get snacks from the vending machine, and this man <laughs> jumped in the elevator as high as he could and landed on the ground, and the no. elevator froze. And me and Jimmy, my other sweet mate, we looked at him and we were like, dude, what are you just doing? And he was like, oh, it stopped. It's like the floor's opening up. And we were in there for no. like an hour and a half. Oh, no. I would have freaked out. We we were fine. We, I was the funny thing though is that we were watching Prometheus for the first uh-huh. time in our dorm room, and we were like, "Yeah, we need some snacks." We paused the movie, went downstairs, no. and then we got stuck in the elevator. And all of our other sweet mates were like, "Where are you guys?" We're like, "We're stuck in the elevator." It's like, okay, we're finishing the movie without you. And I was like, "No, please don't, <laughs> please don't." Oh my god! At least you weren't watching that movie Devil. Remember oh. that one in the elevator? <laughs> god. What a what a film! What a film. It, is a, it is a film. It is a film. Um, so yeah, let us know what you think of uh, of Oxygen. I watch it in English. Watch it in French. Yeah. Um, and uh, hopefully next week, if not the week after that, we will have another Netflix review and movie. I am super excited for Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Yes, we're so hyped. We'll be watching it as quickly as we can. Um, like Max said, either next week or the week after, we'll have the review for that. So, yeah, let us know what you thought of Oxygen. Um, if you didn't like it or you thought it was better than we thought it was, let us know on Twitter. You can tweet at us. My handle is at Natalie Zamora with two A's at the end, and Max is at Odd Slice. You can also go to Apple Podcasts to leave us a good review and ask us any questions you want. We'll be back with another review or something else next week. So thanks for listening and make sure to tune in again. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.